Cancer researchers used to work exclusively in silos. Now sometimes they work on multidisciplinary teams. Does that help treatments get to patients faster? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and joining us to discuss the impact of multidisciplinary teams in cancer research is Dr. Jordan Berlin, Associate Professor and Clinical Director of Gastrointestinal Oncology at the Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee. Dr. Berlin, welcome to Reach MD. Thank you. Tell us about your own medical oncology specialty. What do you do at Vanderbilt? Well, I'm considered a gastrointestinal oncologist. I, along with my team, treat patients with tumors of the GI tract. So anything that, once the food passes the mouth and gets into the esophagus, anywhere the food goes or that's involved in digestion, we take care of. That includes the liver, the pancreas, as well as the entire intestinal tract, the stomach. And we have, by virtue of the fact that the GI tract is the most common site for it, a disease called carcinoid included. And you say you treat patients. Do you also do research? Also do clinical research or translational research, helping to bring the laboratory research from our GI program or elsewhere into the clinic to try and learn more as we're doing the clinical trials. So how would you say your week or your month is split up? Well, I also run our clinical trials office. So my week is split up between administrative working on the clinical trials office. That's supposed to be 50% of my time. Then 50% of my time is spent in the clinic. And then I've got about 20% of my time going to research, trying to develop programs. And then I've got time mentoring and, of course, meetings, especially our multidisciplinary meetings. So I actually am considered more than 100% committed. Is there a common theme to either the treatments that are used in these gastrointestinal cancers or the way they develop and the kinds of things that they cause? There are many commonalities between the cancers, but not a a true common theme like there used to be. It used to be we only had one drug for these diseases, 5-FU, so everything got 5-FU. So a GI oncologist was known for just using 5-FU. But nowadays, we've got a lot more options, and the diseases are becoming more and more differentiated. Uh, The mention of carcinoid earlier is the one that is most significantly different, but primary liver cancers are very different. However, the the intestinal cancers seem to have some commonality, and the gastric and esophageal cancers seem to have some commonality. So we can somewhat lump them together. Uh, Having said that, as we're learning more and more about the molecular basis of cancer, we're splitting them up more. And have you seen, as you do this kind of research and get to know these cancers more, that even within a single patient, there's a wide variety of the cancers within that person? Not so much within an individual person, although there are family syndromes where patients are particularly prone to having cancer. They'll have one or two or three different cancers during the course of their time working with us. And when you do a biopsy on a particular cancer in a patient, do you find that different areas of the body that the cancer actually looks different even within one patient? Yes. In fact, actually, at our multidisciplinary tumor board this morning, we had two cases where one was the sarcoma, which is a cancer that isn't part of the GI tract per se, but can grow anywhere. And in this case, it grown inside the abdomen. And in the course of the sarcoma, it appeared to be four different sarcomas in one pathology specimen. And then we had a colon cancer specimen removed from a liver where part of it was poorly differentiated or looked very unlike the primary colon cells. And then the other part was actually fairly well differentiated in mucin-producing. 
and you can see that where there's variability. If we looked at the molecular biology, we'd probably find even more differences across a cancer. And is that one of the reasons why it's so difficult for us to eradicate cancer? Because even within a single patient, it seems to be multiple diseases? We believe that that's the case, that as cancers are being studied more and more, we're learning the complexity of cancer. So, for example, pancreas cancer, where over 90% of patients will have a KRAS mutation at codon 12, the fact is that there are cells within the tumor that have that mutation, there are cells within it that don't have that mutation. But again, it seems to be a fairly uniform mutation in pancreas cancer. However, it's still not 100%. So we're finding more and more variability, and that may be playing a role because when you kill off percentage of the cancer cells that are sensitive to the chemotherapy or other therapy that you're using, there may be a small percentage that have inherent resistance, and those are going to survive, and they're going to repopulate your cancer over time. So cancer itself seems to be a little multidisciplinary. I know that you're sort of attacking it at Vanderbilt with a multidisciplinary approach. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Well, both in the laboratory, the laboratory-to-clinical approach and the clinical approach, we are really approaching cancer with a variety of people. The most common thing is in the clinic where we have multidisciplinary clinics that involve surgeons, radiation oncologists, medical oncologists, all working together. Most of that is the collaboration is accomplished through conferences or tumor boards where we have radi- radiologists and pathologists helping us to evaluate the data that we have, and we can come together to develop a plan rather than treating it in a silo and doing as you please all by yourself to work together to come up with a plan, one that that the radiation oncologist, the surgeon, the medical oncologist all agree upon, even if not all are involved in the treatment of that individual patient. So we work together as teams of physicians. In addition, frankly, that, that allows multiple medical oncologists to give their opinions, multiple surgeons, et cetera, at a place that's the size of Vanderbilt that has a number of people who do the same thing. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Bruce Bloom, and joining me to discuss the impact of multidisciplinary teams in cancer research is Dr. Jordan Berlin, Associate Professor and Clinical Director of GI Oncology at the Vanderbilt University Medical Center. So on these multidisciplinary teams, besides the physicians, are there support personnel and other people that are involved? So I'll use the best example for me or the tumor boards I'm involved with. realize we have tumor boards and other diseases other than GI. And the tumor board this morning was attended by radiologists, pathologists to help us to review the pathology and the x-rays. We also had, as always, one of the nurses who's involved in genetic counseling in case we find patients with a family syndrome. And we had a couple of the other nurses who come in addition to the usual physicians, residents, surgeons, medical oncologists. Our gastroenterologists will uh, attend at times. And so the variety of different specialties come in, and all of whom provide some support one way or another. Tell us about the signal transduction and cell proliferation research program that you're involved in. I'm actually in the GI program here at Vanderbilt, but we collaborate with the signal transduction and the other programs here at Vanderbilt in terms of doing clinical trials. And I think that that example is is very good because when I got my last grant, it was to do a clinical trial in liver cancer 
based on some data that we had obtained in the laboratories uh, run by a couple of our surgeons, as well as a little bit of data conducted in one of our signal transduction laboratories. And the person who actually ended up conducting the laboratory portion of our clinical trial primarily has been doing research in melanoma, but is really sig- focuses on signal transduction. So we, we really worked together as a group to develop the, the grants, the clinical trial, and actually we collaborated with other institutions on that clinical trial to get it done. So how was this program team formed? Were people chosen or did they sort of select on to be part of the team? So the people usually choose to be part of the team. In the Cancer Center, we have three clinical programs and three basic science programs. And within those programs, people are selected to be in their program based on what their research primarily involves. But when it comes to developing an individual protocol, especially at our institution, we try to work between programs so that signal transduction may work with GI one week and they may work with the breast group the next week. It's developing as a, as a group, but your research is what drives where you go in terms of which program within the cancer center you're part of. So this signal transduction program has two broad aims, and let's talk about the first one, which is increasing the awareness of the research that's going on within each member's laboratory to encourage collaboration. Tell us how that works for you and the kinds of breakthroughs that you might have seen because of this kind of interdisciplinary work. There are a few ways we collaborate to learn a little bit more about each other. The most obvious is just through ordinary lectures. We will have the members of a laboratory give a talk about what they're doing and what their work is. And, of course, anybody cancer center-wide is invited, or actually institution-wide. You don't have to be a cancer center member. These are posted. But in addition, we actually tend to have research retreats. These research retreats have been very helpful in that we will not have just one program present, but multiple programs present at the same time so that people will attend from all the programs. They'll see what other research is going on, and that will hopefully increase the collaborations between the groups, and it really works well. In addition, the leadership actually often discusses what their program is up to in in separate meetings, but the larger way of doing it is through these research retreats and the common regular multiple times a week lectures that go on. So do you see this kind of openness on all medical center campuses, or do you think this is kind of unique to what goes on at Vanderbilt? We like to believe that we have achieved it to a greater degree than most other campuses. To some degree, this probably exists at every campus, but I think it's to a greater or lesser degree at at each institution, depending on the leadership. I think the leadership at Vanderbilt has been one that has fostered collaboration, and that's an important part of what happens in in science. If the leadership doesn't foster collaboration, the people who are following won't be encouraged to do so and therefore won't do it on their own. Do you believe in enrolling patients where possible in clinical trials to learn more about what the best and safest way is to treat gastrointestinal cancers? Yes, I think clinical trials are, are the future for every disease still. We have very few diseases where we've really succeeded to a great extent, such as testicular cancer, where we cure the majority of patients. And we have no disease where we cure everybody. So until we're curing everybody or nearly everybody with a disease, uh, clinical trials are the way to go to improve upon what we're doing. Most of the time, clinical trials, when unsuccessful, just don't improve upon care. It is very rare that the clinical trial will have an experimental arm that will actually be worse than the original treatment, but that does rarely happen. However, most of the time, either it's going to improve the care or it will be the same. 
again, if our care was so great, we wouldn't need to do the clinical trials. When you're working with a patient, how do you help them decide which clinical trial to participate in? We generally have a limited number of clinical trials per setting. In other words, if a person has stage 3 colon cancer, we usually have only one stage 3 colon cancer trial. If we have multiple trials, as we do with stage 4 colon cancer, there are usually some parameters or some requirements that may make it different. But we often have, for us, a prioritization. We meet as a group, as a multidisciplinary team, and decide what the priority is. So that if we have a trial, for example, that's an NCI-sponsored, grant-funded trial, that will often be the priority trial over almost anything else here at our institution. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Jordan Berlin, Associate Professor and Clinical Director of GI Oncology at the Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, Tennessee. We've been discussing the impact of multidisciplinary teams in cancer research. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For a complete program guide and podcast, visit www.reachmd.com. For comments or questions, call us toll-free at 888-MD-XM-157. And thank you for listening.